0: Yo, what's up? Welcome to Ngahere Talks. This is season two, Made of Manukau. In this season, we explore some of South Auckland's emerging brands and the entrepreneurs behind them. We also take a look at e-commerce and how this trillion dollar industry might just be the way forward for our people. Hope you enjoy these stories and if you're keen, hit us up. Ngaherecommunities.nz Tēnā Koto and welcome back to the Made of Monaco podcast, we're at episode number 10 and we have an awesome guest with us today. I'm really excited about this all we we're about to have, I feel like I'm going to learn heaps and and so are you, but we have the um, incredible Tau with us here today, kia ora Tau.
1: for love, everyone, uh, full name's Tuputau Lela Ulu but some people know me as Tau or John Balfour, and Whatever you want to call me.
0: So. Yeah, I feel like that's classic Samoa. <laughs> yeah. You've got to have at least four
1: names. But you can call me John.
0: Well, welcome to the show, bro. It's no, really awesome. I'm looking forward you. to our chat today. Why don't you take a little bit of time to introduce yourself yeah. um and your business in our studios?
1: Um yeah, thank you very much for having me here today. It's I've always wanted to be on a podcast, so thank you for making my there dream come true. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> uh but again, my name is Tuputaule uh, Laulu and a, a founder of uh, a regenerative design and development practice called Mal Studio. Uh, my background's in architecture uh, and for me and, and my peers and colleagues it's always about how does architecture play a role in social transformation. Mm. And it's really important for us, especially uh, Maori, Pasifika or Oceanic people uh, that we're always using our platforms to benefit our people. So mm. uh, we started in... Uh, in March, and uh, my friend from that I studied architecture with, her church down in Taranaki do a lot of these outreach programs, Mm. uh, both nationally and internationally. And at this point, I was living over in New York. uh, and She called me up after a trip to the Philippines and said, uh, you know, they're looking for um, people who can work on a local church in one of the villages. Mm. Uh, So I took her call and went over for a few days and we realized that you know, this is the line of work that we really wanted to be doing. Yeah. Uh, so at that point, we were um, tossing up between names. And I said, why don't we call it COMAC, mm. uh, Which was short for community architecture. Yeah. And everyone just sat there and looked at me. <laughs> and went, it's not going to work. <laughs> but she said at that point, you know, uh, we're all Samoan. So why don't we give it a Samoan name? Mm. Uh, so she said, what about Mau? And yeah, we all sat there and it really, really hit home for us. Mm. And so we started looking into the definitions a little bit more. And uh, mm. Mao means to, uh, it, Mao is a oceanic term, which essentially means that uh, every Pacific nation has their own interpretation. So mm. uh, for some, it means to strive or to persevere or uh, to hold firmly onto. Mm. But going through this process of our, our business development, we found that Mao has a, a deeper resonation between us specific peoples, mm. so for us, we define it as your purpose, uh, nice. what you stand for and uh, what you truly believe in and then further along that development is we found that mo was the essence uh, so an essence of place uh, and an essence of of you as a person so. It's a bit of a background.
0: Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. So what is what is the mission? What's the like, purpose behind... I mean, you kind of did say it now, but mm-hmm. if you could, like, a little bit, maybe more, like, practical, what yeah. is the real mission behind Mile Studios?
1: So, essentially, our, our mission is to use uh, our design services and our education programs to alleviate poverty within the Pacific. Yeah, nice. Uh, and we started off around... How do we use architecture to uh, or the accessibility of architecture uh, to benefit vulnerable communities and we realized that very very quickly that architecture can't do it on its own mm. so we needed to be working a lot more wider in a development sense to really fulfill our mission so uh, in a practical sense we provide architectural services so designing and of urban spaces and and of buildings uh, with with communities, and we also run education programs. Mm. Uh, so for rangatahi or high school students and tertiary students to really engage in uh, these pathways and create mm. and actually see themselves within this as a career as opposed to something that they'll do voluntarily. So yeah, yeah. Uh, really we're setting out to to do a, a number of things, um, but really to use this platform to alleviate uh, challenges within the pacific region
0: yeah choice that's so awesome bro i feel it's going to be a good chat (laughs) Um, you mentioned something before like regenerative regenerative design Mm -hmm. and development Development. eh? like what does that even mean
1: uh so because this corridor is around the development of I Mm. i think it's important to go through the process that we had gone through so Really for us, you know, getting to the realisation that this was more than architecture Mm. and this was more than just designing buildings. Uh, This is reshaping and transforming communities and connecting communities to their essence. Uh, So a big part of our business development was looking for a methodology. Mm. Like what is that process that we're going through? And Mm -hmm. a critical part of that was participatory design, so designing with uh, Rangatahi or designing with children or designing with communities. So participatory design was a huge part of it. Then we moved on to like social design, which was uh, looking at, you know, social transformation as the main outcome as opposed to the building or an education program, for instance. Uh, but now, um, you know, really want to acknowledge uh, the support from Me Family Services. So mm. having one of our PO, Peter Sykes really pushing our way of thinking uh, and how our spaces or our programs are really held accountable to the community yeah. or by the community. So uh, he introduced us to uh, this methodology of regenerative design and development. Mm-hmm. So regenerative essentially means uh, um, about putting yourself into spaces And realising that that space is a wide network or an ecosystem in itself. Mm. So regenerative isn't necessarily creating something new, but it's going in there and reinvigorating that ecosystem. Yeah, nice. So it takes you out of the role of a designer or this dictator, but more as a facilitator. Mm. Or someone who's trying to understand how that community works in uh, in its own context. So... Uh, but at a deeper level, regenerative is about understanding what you are regenerating. And for us, it's about tapping into the essence of place. What makes that place unique more than any other place in the world.
0: Yeah. And I guess acknowledging what is there, eh? Mm. The good things Absolutely. that are there as well. And and maybe the not good, not so good things and not just mm-hmm. wiping it out and starting afresh, but yeah. working from that. Yeah. yeah. The goodness that's already yeah. in place.
1: And it's about, yeah absolutely it's about understanding what those relationships are who's in the community and then how do you reinvigorate or give new life to Mm. that existing ecosystem yeah yeah uh, or relationships and networks so uh, it really it really challenges the status quo in the sense that you're not coming up with a solution Mm. but merely just facilitating uh the relationships or facilitating that process so um but then again, we are no experts in the yeah, yeah. concept of regenerative development, That's it right. but it's why we uh, um, we can relate at a deeper level with the concept of regenerative development. And because, is this approach yeah.
0: really unique in the architecture
1: world uh it's uh, within the built environment, I'd say at least it's a movement over the last twenty years so mm. uh, for people within the built environment industries uh, it's come out of the permacultural movement Mm. so looking at uh, ecological development so of the natural environment yeah but then now how do you look at the physical spaces as as an ecology so excuse me (laughs) that's okay (laughs) um so it's been around for the last 20 years but i'd like to challenge that further and and say that it's always been part of Mm. te ao maori it's always been part of you know our Pacifica worldviews, our Samoan worldviews. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so it's it's always been there, but for me, it's regenerative development becomes the interface with the world that we live in now. Mm. So it's the interface between our indigenous worldviews and this more contemporary context that we're in.
0: Yeah, choice, bro. So it's
1: not new. Um, within New Zealand, it's been going for at least the last ten years, but it's very small. It's a very small community and, um, but it's, it's great to see that it's starting to influence some, some larger industries.
0: Yeah. Awesome. So why is this whole, um, why is this mission important to you? Like what, essentially what has been your journey that's led you here to Mm. make something like this, what you invest your time and your expertise into?
1: Mm. Um, well, I can only speak for me personally. I can't speak for everyone else who's in, in my studio, but, uh, for me, it's about my lived experience mm. and understanding the the journey or my upbringing um, regarding uh, uh, my displacement uh, from my parents and growing up in different communities, which, you know, weren't your South 10 communities. It was, you know, in South Auckland and it was in, in harder parts of, of the country. So, um, and understanding that the communities that I was living in really was, uh, were our uh, more vulnerable communities. yeah. And uh, so, really what's driving me was understanding that the communities that we were living in is part of a long chain of intergenerational trauma. Yeah. Uh, so from uh, the migration of our Pacifica communities over since the 1950s, and uh, down to land confiscations for Māori communities since since forever (laughs) 1850s so really kind of in reflection it's it's about that it's how do we reverse what's been happening for the last 150 years how do we reverse you know these systemic oppressions that's been going on for thousands of years Mm. Uh, and i understand that you know this is not going to happen in my lifetime but it's it's the thing that's driving me yeah I understand that this this fight's always going to be there in my lifetime, so uh, it's going to be an exciting life.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's awesome, man! And like, I can I think I can say every single conversation that I've had so far on this this podcast season, mm. um, hearing everyone's lived experience, it always makes sense as mm. to why they're doing what they're doing. Absolutely. Right now. And everyone is fortunate enough to hear that everyone has this like really ingrained mission behind what they're doing, mm. whether they're doing a business, whether mm. they're doing a social impact initiative or whatever. Mm. Um, and it's such a privilege eh, to hear those different journeys yeah. and, and what people are doing. Um, and just how, man, people are awesome. Yeah, yeah exactly. Really awesome. So, exactly. like, tell us a little bit about the journey of Mouse Studios. Like, when did you start and then yep. how did you start, mm. um, even, like, practically, like, financially and stuff like that? And then what are some of the things or the little pivots you've been on on, on the journey so far? Little pivots. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, so, yeah, going back to that story, um, you know, of my friend mm. Lynette Hunt from Taranaki who you know got that call from her mission, from her church to the Philippines, that's how Mal started. it. But for me, you know, graduating from um, from architecture in 2015. When was it? 20, 2015? For Mal? Yeah. Mel was twenty sixteen. Oh ah, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Uh, Two thousand graduated from architecture. And then coming out of it was really now how does how does my platform benefit South Auckland? Mm. And so I've always been involved with the Roots mm. collective who were started over in Otada and they created creative opportunities for Rangatahi. So I was always involved in that. Uh, Then over in New York, I worked with Architecture for Humanity, so Mm. uh, coordinating our projects with our homeless whanau in New York. And then finally getting that chance over in Philippines, where for me, it was like a a clicking moment. Mm. you know, And you realize that everything leading up to that one date just makes sense. So uh, we didn't have the intention of starting a a business, per se. Mm. Uh, but we said, okay, this is, we need to harness this. Yep. You know, we need to harness this feeling and say, okay, what do we do from here? Mm. Uh, so around that same time, um, Unitech, uh, institu- Institution of Technology, which I graduated in architecture from, was just starting a, a bold innovators scheme, mm. which was, you know, any graduates who have an innovative idea, then let us know, we can support you. Uh, so fortunately enough, at that same time, we put together a little package and we s- and we said you know this was our innovative social design practice mm. this is how we think our model is going to be you know you have those pretty little diagrams yeah, yeah, of yeah. You know, yeah. gradient circles <laughs> and, <like. laughs> and so they they supported us for three months so that drew me back from new york and i worked on you know through tutoring uh, over at unitech and our innovative model really was how do we create a sustainable pathway for people who want to pursue this pathway. Mm. Does that make sense? Mm. So we said that it starts a lot earlier than university, but actually starts in high school. So a a key strategy for Mao when we first started was our education programs. And so um, at that same time, uh, we also got supported by Me Family Services, Mm. and uh, they gave us a small contract to run these education programs in in Mangere East. Awesome. So, we worked with eight students, or eight or nine students from De La Salle College, for our first Mao Academy program. So, uh, we started Mao Academy, which was around um, providing uh, creative opportunities for students to use their skills for impact in South Auckland. And that year, we worked in a community garden, uh, and it was interesting because we worked with kindergarten students, we worked with primary students intermediate and high school awesome. all in that one project in tertiary so uh, it really showed us the potential of what that program can offer uh, and then we started my workshop which was around engaging maori and pacifica students in these projects within the pacific region mm. so we worked alongside potasi development trust um, so so Lord Joe annandale and tammy annandale over in Portasi. Mm. and the project was around uh, uh, the potasi women's community center so. so it was refurbishing ruins from the tsunami in 2009 wow. so that's how we started off yeah. um and then really th- there's been a you know, speaking honestly was uh, a tension within our practice around what are we mm. and who are we are yeah. we just uh, education practice or like pro running or are we just a practice running education programs or are we actually uh design services too and so and w- which context do we sit in? Mm. You know, we're, you know, are we sitting in the commercial realm or are we sitting in a, in a in the community and whānau-based realm? So uh, that really was the tension in the practice for two years. And so the last two years have really been around developing the, the integration of our design services and our education programs. Mm. So over time, we started approaching um, slightly wider and bigger community development organizations, outside of me, Family Services and Botesu Development Trust. And so we are working with uh, Tia Fund, which is an international development agency. Yep. And we've seen we've w- alongside them how our education programs can be part of a design process mm. within the community project uh, over in Vanuatu. Yeah. So it's hitting all the different pillars in the direction that we want to be heading and So part of it too was getting the right team yeah. And we can't say we work regeneratively or holistically if we're all just architects.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So it's uh been great to see her having um, my cousin from Samoa Nelson Allendale who's looking at economic development and business development within the Pacific. So their project in Vanuatu really is looking at economic development and spatial development. Yeah. And how does that become a unique model for, for Mal studio? So um that's the journey we've, we've gone on to and where we really want to be heading towards is how are we a development, uh, a of design and development organisation for the Pacific? Yeah. Because if you look at what's in the market right now, who are the big players in, in development spaces, they're all international NGOs. Yeah. They're all these, you know, uh, these larger country, countries who are coming in, uh, into Samoa and or the wider Pacific. So it's around how do we control their narrative how do we control development from our perspectives so it's uh, I've given myself the next 6 to 12 um, months to really figure out what does that look like for a model for us and then really it's 150-year plan for me. Yeah. <laughs> just, so.
0: just easily, yeah, just a yeah, little just 150. <laughs> Man, there's like, I feel like I have a million questions through everything that you just talked no, about. Yeah. I keep wanting yeah. to be like, ask, 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 ask. But it's all right, we'll kind of keep going on this mm-hmm. this kind of trajectory. But um, in, the, in that journey, can you pinpoint some of the real, like either the real milestone or the, what am I trying to say, like the moments where you knew that, you were either doing it right or you had to change or mm. um, they were just super sweet places or maybe s- really challenging? Are there a couple of those along your journey, either as like a business owner or as a designer or mm. as a um, just as a person?
1: Yeah. Well, we can reverse that. I'll start with a person. <laughs> yeah. So it was really after when we first started Mel Studio um, and I realised the huge weight mm. of the direction that we're heading in. And it was a huge transition point. It was, you know, the questions coming through my mind was, you know, can I do this? You know, yeah, is this yeah. going to be a career? Is this going to be a one-off thing? You know, I don't want this to fail. So you get all of these things. I'm 100%, sure you can empathise percent.
0: Eh? It's so challenging. Yeah. But stepping out on your own challenges who you are. Exactly. And you have to find that exactly. and settle with that mm. and be confident in that.
1: And for me, New York did a lot, did a lot mm. to me, like yeah. both my personal growth and it really challenged me in in my direction and where i wanted to head so uh just just f- growing fear inside me for mm-hmm. a solid six months yeah. a. And, uh, and so really it was about being able to acknowledge that fear that was inside me and then find mechanisms that allowed me to get over it yeah also. and a lot of it was dancing me yeah doing now, so you're on tiktok no. now yeah, tiktok dancer no no um so yeah I've, i found my own ways of overcoming my fear and uh so that that was a huge thing for me was just just nailing that uh and then from a from a business perspective uh was um, you know really it takes three to five years to get things off the ground mm. and i finally got into the third year where i've acknowledged yes. that Yes. And you know, in your first year, you're like, okay, I'm gonna do it all. I'm yeah. gonna do it all. Yeah. And you come back to New Zealand, and everyone's looking at you like, what the hell is this guy up <laughs> to? Do <laughs> and and so oh, I gotta pay my bills. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> so um, it was really over the last three years was about proving our value, yeah. as an organization. Nice. You know, proving our value as entrepreneurs, proving our value as, uh, as, um, you know, as a startup. Mm. essentially so in the learning process my gosh you know and i'm I'm a firm believer that i cannot work in an organization because i'll get fired instantly yeah, but yeah yeah the learning process that i've gone through about starting up our own business mm. far outweighs anything anything that i would have got inside you know working for someone else yeah. so it was really about acknowledging at first that this is going to be a long game mm. and sitting down and And one of Nga Aho's uh, conferences in 2016, you know, really sets tone for my mentality now, which is play the long game always. Mm. And so now we're setting up our business to actually really, what is the the long-term vision? So it was tough setting things up, tough convincing people that this is valuable and this will create an impact. But now three years in, uh, you know, I can actually see people understanding what that value is, both in an institutional, both in a spatial sense, both in a... My, even my family. Mm. It's a whole different discussion. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but... So people are starting to see the value. And I, I'd say a huge part of it too was um, a huge challenge for us uh, as a business or in any stage was um, just really holding us accountable to what we were saying. Mm. Because... You get a lot of people who are saying, okay, we're going to alleviate poverty, but like doing something completely different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And for me, it's very important, whatever we say, we have to do it. Mm. And we have to hold ourselves accountable to the communities that we're working with. So um, a big pivot for me was, you know, Ihumatao, for instance, mm. and getting here in 2017, 2018, and no one within the built environment industry. Uh, was was there at Ihumatao and wow well, that's a well i 'll check myself on that there were a few people who were in mm. who are there and and advocating so uh for us as a practice if we're gonna be saying we wanna reverse intergenerational trauma Ihumatao was the place mm. uh, and we need to be there with tafano the who are opposing it so but that caused a lot of tension with inside the practice and uh but that's you know that's what what comes out of you know, standing up for what you believe in. Exactly. And so, but what's come out of it far outweighs things that happen at that that point in time. So, um, so, and another big learning is your team. Mm. Who is your team? And we see Mao as a lot more than just a business. You know, this is a you know, yeah, This is yeah. our mission. This is our life mission. Yeah so it's it's very important for anything that we do that we have the right team there mm. who would follow through in our mission standards who will follow through on our on our purpose so um I hope I answered your question yeah yeah but, you absolutely. Know, there's there's a lot that's that's there's, been going uh, there's
0: off. so much in there, yeah. and I think one of the things that I'm really picking up from you is you you do have this real sense of like like you said before, there was a weight that came, mm. and this that you want to be true to what you say you're doing and to what your heart's telling you to do Mm. how do you actually like personally how do you manage that weight and how do you Mm. stop it from consuming (laughs) you and the people around you
1: well it was um it was yeah how how can i say it Uh, that weight was almost um well it was definitely sickening but it was Mm. just stopping me from breathing yeah you know it's like Something's holding onto your lungs, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm like, gosh, what is this? <laughs> uh and so it's I'll say one thing, it's really important that you you're with people who are going through that same journey. Mm. And at that point in time was my sister, my younger sister, and we're both going through this journey of trying to trying to figure out where do we stand in this world and and so uh, and also my cousins and so we're all just, you know. Like uh, exchanging yeah. content, yeah. you know. So I, I just read this book. You know, you <laughs> should read this book, and you know, you should take this podcast, and uh, and something which uh, that's I've really taken on was you know meditation, mm. and uh, at that point in time, the voices in my head far outweighed anything else. Yeah, and I really found uh, meditation as a as a form of quietening those voise, voices. Actually, being able to sit there and listen to those voices and not feel any weight.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And once I was able to do that consistently and for a long period of time, I realized, gosh, what was I even thinking?
0: Mm.
1: I literally, I knew what I was thinking, (laughs) but like, how did I let that thinking, you know, pull me down as a person and pull my morale down and my confidence? And so, that that dropped the weight. Mm. Of those thoughts that dropped the weight of the pressure, that dropped the weight of the magnitude of what we're taking on. So now, I, you know, I still have to check myself, and I still have to you know, acknowledge what's going on around mm. me and inside me. So uh, meditation was a huge part. Reading is huge too, and uh, but that's it's walking was huge for me too, and yeah. you know, it's it's different for everyone. But I'll definitely find uh, us, uh, you know, uh, uh, advice or you know, find what what are those mechanisms that allow you to drop that weight. Yep. You know, allow, what are your mechanisms that allow you to drop the weight off those voices or at least quieten those and voices. And decompress, say Decompress, that? absolutely. Because
0: so m- there is a lot of pressure. I mm. think just in entrepreneurship on its own, but when you have such a big um, vision and a big mm. mandate and feel the weight of your people mm. and feel the weight of generations of your people.
1: Absolutely.
0: Um, You have to be able to manage that. And that's, I think there's been people throughout history our different ancestors and mm. then I think there are different people that carry that weight mm. at different levels yeah. and the ones that carry it the more um you need to get around them as well and support yeah. them and encourage them and mm. take a little bit of the weight sometimes as well so yeah. it's really it's really nice just to be in your presence and to feel that mm. you carry that seriousness and that mana mm. on behalf of your people so what's the so just on yeah, that on it.
1: that note too it's it's very important that we turn to our cultural traditions mm. And I don't say meditation because it was just something that, that popped up, but it was about me trying to learn more about what it meant to be Samoan. Mm. Choice. And, you know, and traditional Samoan review was always about living in harmony and understanding your relationship with other people and the environment and the cosmos, but most importantly yourself. Mm. And so, you know, reading into what, Samoan traditions and worldviews views was a huge part of it was moima natu natu, which was meditation. Mm. And so then I started finding which is the right meditation techniques for me. So then looking into Te Ao Māori and other indigenous Pacific nations, they all did very similar things. Mm. You know, and so especially in this time of you know, the rise of the, ra- the, the resurfacing of indigenous knowledge, it's very important that we reconnect with that. Mm. And so don't turn to other mechanisms, but probably uh, I'd say start with what is, who are you as a person, your cultural traditions, mm. and are there stories in there which will allow you to alleviate a lot of those social pressures?
0: Yeah. and a lot of it's already in you, eh? Exactly. exactly. Once you tap into it, you're like, oh! Yeah, what is <laughs> Where this? Yeah, has just been for the last, probably, uh, 30 years. Yeah. So what's, um, what's your dream for your people? I, and I say Ooh. that because I was going to say your dream for your business, but I feel like it's bigger than that. No,
1: it's bigger than that. Yeah. And I th- it's a really important note because I think biz- business for us, Oceanic peoples, Māori and Pacifica, need to be a lot more than just business. Mm. And that's our unique contribution. It's a means. To, absolutely.
0: Nothing.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And so, business in, in our sense needs to be a reflection of who we are as people mm. and what we believe in. Not the other way around, yeah. And so, um, but so in that in that sense, I think a huge driver for for me now and for my people is reconnection, mm. and in all senses of the world. And uh, you know, this movement over the last you know 150 years of decolonial, decolon decolonizing institutions, business, you know, the classroom, whatever it may mindsets. be, mindsets. <laughs> we need to decolonize our mindsets. Mm. And part of that has been segregation and isolation and silo thinking, and you know it's Maori here, it's Samoan there, it's Tongan there, it's mm. Fijian there. But, and I always go back to Malpiala, who was, you know, in nineteen seventies, uh, when Naina, uh, Nainoa Thompson, you know, from the Hokulea mm. uh, Voyaging Society in Hawaii. You know, was looking for a navigator who could do celestial navigation because at that point in time it was wiped out from the Pacific. Mm. It was, you know, um, tapu. So they found Mao in the uh, in the small Micronesian island and then Naino asked him, uh, you know, other stars in Micronesia are different from the stars in Polynesia. And Mao just said, Micronesia? Polynesia? <laughs> you know, we are all one people. Yeah, yeah. And so it's really important that we we even start blurring those micronesian polynesian melanesian boundaries uh to realize that we are all connected mm. and that's a huge part of what i believe the essence of the pacific is the essence of the pacific is connection mm. and so how can i dedicate the rest of my life to reconnecting our mindsets our attitudes our businesses our institutions mm so it's a it's a it's a mammoth of a task and i'm not doing it by myself yeah yeah. i'm not doing doing anything new.
0: but you're playing your part aye? but
1: i'm playing my part yep. i know what my role is and that's a huge part of being someone is know what your role is yeah yeah if your uncle walks in for Sam Warners, <laughs> or for someone or your auntie walks in and know what your role is where you sit yeah, and yeah. so i know where my role needs to be right now and that's within the reconnecting space but it's also working alongside you know the people who are doing it and I'm very privileged in the sense that I'm working with the best people in in the industries that mm. I'm working working in within education, within architecture. It's very empowering. It's very motivating. So, I think yesterday, f- for me, you know, in this trying to think systemically or you know an ecosystem, and for a very long time, I was saying, okay, systemic change is the thing. Systemic change is the thing. Finally, getting to a point yesterday when we had a meeting and over at Unitech and. Uh, some of the people who were inside the room were saying you know other you know other um, bis- uh, other schools and departments are wanting to apply our methodology to the rest of the institution wow and i was like wow you know this is what That's systemic amazing. transformation looks like yeah yeah it was only merely a, you know a quarter or in a concept yeah, and, but yeah. i was like this is this is the step to systemic transformation mm. which aligns to our world views yeah, of doing things collaboratively, of doing things with our families, and I was like, this is what decolonizing spaces look <laughs> like. Yeah. And so I don't really enjoy the word decolonizing because it's still putting a lot of mana on colonization. Okay, yeah. But but again, it is a term which which speaks to our mission, mm. uh, and it's a really important movement. So um, I use that to acknowledge a lot of. Uh, a lot of the efforts that have been going on for the last 50 years or even longer. Mm. You know,
0: so, I like listening to you talk about Pacific people or people. Li- I like the term you use, oceanic people. Mm. I think that's nice. I um, Even just in the journey of my Aheri community, so the f- last few years, I've found it really frustrating to always focus on Māori and Pacific people, Māori and Pacific mm. people, because I feel the same way. I feel like we are all just the same. Mm. We are all one people, and the more you the more that I've learned about my whakapapa over the years, the more you can just see the absolute connection mm. between all of us. Fundamentally, mm. we, all, we all come from the same place. Mm. Um, and we all have our own unique characteristics mm. and stuff like that that add together. So it's nice to hear you talk about it that way.
1: Well, if anyone really wants to look into a little bit more, you know, the work of Ipili Hauwha is, you know, huge in mm. breaking down our, our, our silo thinking regarding mm. our people. And over in AUT is the Oceanic Leadership Network and mm. they're doing a lot of this great work here in South Auckland and uh so again a lot of these different organizations or these philosophers or have really challenged the way I think, which is how I'm applying it to my worldview and to Mal too. So mm. uh but again, <laughs> yeah. Terminology is huge. Yeah. yeah. Terminology is huge and just understand that it's an evolution, so
0: it is huge, eh? What, what you name something is huge. Mm. Well, it's kind of you're like speaking it over, uh, over. Exactly. If you mm. say it to a person, whatever you say to them, you're encouraging them or you're discouraging them. Mm. It's the same with terms, eh? Mm. But I wanted to talk to you a little bit about um, this term "mole" um, and how yeah. uh, we had a chat the other day, which I really loved. And you were talking about the measure of success for your mm. your programs of rangatahi, and that um, the measure of success for you is them being able to identify their mole. Yeah. Talk us a little bit through that.
1: Well, um, again, understanding that you know this term is a pan-Pacific term. This mm. term is an oceanic term, so all of our, well, most, at least most of our oceanic communities identify with the term Mao. Mm. And also, in the early 1900s, was the, the Mao movement in Samoa,
2: mm.
1: or Le mao or Samoa, and they defined Mao as your, their firm opinion. And the up of their movement was standing against the oppressors towards our cultural values and our people in Samoa, mm. which ultimately led to their independence in 1962. Uh, and so understanding that that has a, a, a huge part of who we are as Oceanic peoples, are these these movements for our cultural values. Mm. Um, so uh, in the earlier stages of our practice, because also I also want to acknowledge um Lemmy uh, Bonifacio, who's also started uh, Mao many years ago who has mm. been uh, within the performing arts and again he wouldn't like me narrowing it down just to performing <laughs> arts but he does a lot of amazing things so I met with him in the earlier stages of Mao Studio and he asked me one thing which will change the way I look at Mao and he mm. says what is your Mal? Yeah. and I just sat back and I went wow that's, that's powerful that's yeah. huge and I went back to my directors and I asked them, every single one of them, I was like, what is your mouth? What is your mouth? What is your mouth? I want to make all of you guys <laughs> <Yeah>. squirm. <laughs> and right then and there, I was like, that's how we measure success. Yeah. That's how we should be measuring success is not based on credits, not based on a project, or it's not based on you know other things, but deep down within every person is for them to come out of our work and say, my mouth is this. Mm. And I think that's when we've really identified what success looks like for us. Mm. And so within our programs in in high school and tertiary, as we ask the students right at the beginning, okay, what is your mouth? Mm. And s- for some people, they can't answer it. And so for some people, they know it. Yeah. But then throughout that journey is around them evaluating who they are and what they believe in, what are their painful moments, what are their challenges, mm. and for them to come out at the end of the year and say, you know, my mouth different. Yeah. And my mouth is X. It's no longer Y. And I think it's really important for people to firstly understand that that essence is always in them. Mm. That mouth is always in them, and be very comfortable with it changing. Yeah. But always tapping into understanding what you drive, what's driving you, you know, what you stand for. And I believe that's resilience. Yeah. You know, when you acknowledge what you stand for, because you know, like my my mission is to reconnect the Pacific. That's not going to happen in my lifetime, Mm. but it's what's driving me every single day. And so I believe, I'm a firm believer of once someone knows what their mal is, once someone knows what their essence is, then nothing's going to stop them.
0: Yeah, yeah. And that's what I was going to ask you. Like, what have you seen um, in people as a result of them being able to identify their mal? What does that look like afterwards?
1: Oh, it's... Uh, and happens in as many cases, it could be crying, yeah, you know, yeah. it could be a, uh, you know, a realisation of, why have I been doing this whole time? Mm. For instance, our programmes over in Samoa, so it's really important, a huge part of Mau is, um, you know, tautuananga, uh, which is a Samoan value of uh, selflessness, and being selfless in what we do. Uh, and... There have been a few students who have grown up and lived in Samoa their whole lives. Mm. But then going into a village setting where they're working with a a women's committee or a community organisation who just live tautuananga Mm. through and through. And them realising, how have I missed out on this experience Mm. my whole life growing up in Samoa? And so they sit there and they check themselves and they acknowledge what's happened and they say, this is my mouth. You know and so they're aligning it to something which is a lot bigger than them. Yeah. And so that's that's one example. Other examples is when we we're on the monga and E Martel, for instance, and these high school students who are going into transitioning into tertiary or not, uh, for them to stand up and say, you know, this program was has made me realize what my mo is, mm. and now, you know, two three weeks later. They go to Unitech for their one of their inductions. And then someone, someone within the induction process came up to me afterwards and said, you know, hey, you know, I just bumped into some students from Southern Cross campus who have just walked in with their head held high and they're saying, you know, they're wanting they've already applied for architecture, they've already got everything sorted. Mm. You know, and he was saying, This is the first time that you know, we've come across South Auckland students who have everything sorted. You know, yeah. coming in with their head held high. That's the difference, yeah. you know. That's what understanding what your mo is. Mm. But for us now, it's it's bigger in the sense that okay, now how do we how do we do that throughout their their stage? But how do we pull back a bit in the sense that it's also their own journey? Mm. And what last year taught me was we can't do everything. Yeah, it's their journey. So what can we do when they're on? What is our role within their journey, and making sure that we don't do everything because yeah, yeah. that's counterproductive.
0: Yeah, yeah. and you do—you so just play a part in their journey. Eh? You yeah, you don't. You don't own their journey. You don't. Mm. You know, you don't get all the credit for all the hard work they do to get to that point. But mm. you do have the the privilege of being able to mm. guide them and steer them for whatever length of time yeah. you have access to them. I've always I've done a lot of youth work. So yeah, I've I, always. Yeah. I've always loved it, um, and I think like listening to you and hearing you talk about your moment of understanding your mo, um, I feel like I have a defining moment in my life that essentially is the same thing, a different language but same thing. Mm. Me understanding really what is my real kind of purpose, but more like what am I, what am I just not willing to let go? Like mm. what do I know that? Um, I always want to be doing. I always want to be focusing on that. My unique mm. makeup is is perfect for this. Mm. And when I found that, um, it sent me on a journey that means I am where I am today. And mm. I think everything that I do is defined by my mule yeah. and by what I want to achieve in my life, which is to help other people. Oh, it's got so much more than that. But yeah, okay. um, for me, it's about the thing that i get super frustrated about is seeing people not understand their potential mm. and not have the opportunities that they should have to mm. be able to reach that so everything that i do is about that is about yeah. helping people know themselves enough but then also breaking down some of the barriers mm. that stand in their way from from having a go at that a real yeah. good go at it it's up to them whether or not they get there sometimes it's up to whatever else is going on in, in the world yeah, life but too. <laughs> yeah some people just it's not fair it's mm. just straight not fair yeah um but exactly. yeah but this has been such a cool quarter i'm gonna wrap it up real quick yeah. um but it's been great it has been choice eh? and so keep an eye out because there's going to be a new podcast coming out soon on regenerative re- uh, oh, i can't say that word
1: regenerative, uh.
0: regenerative design featuring tuputau hey mm-hmm. eh, it's coming out soon it's coming out soon yeah so Tune um in. let's give um be cool just to give one more piece of advice from you to someone who's got an idea or they're embarking on a business journey or a social impact journey mm. or a life journey maybe even. What would be some of your advice to them?
1: Sit down and listen. Nice. Yeah. Uh both in the in an internal sense. Uh just going back to some of the things that we've discussed around you know, listening to yourself. What are your weaknesses? You know, mm. what are the voices inside your head at the moment? And speaking with Brittany the other time. Mm. It's just really sitting there. And she sits there for two hours. I can't sit there for two hours. <laughs> but, you know, really listening to what's happening inside. And then if it's a social impact project, then social impact cannot happen without people. Yeah, Social impact cannot happen without a community. So it's going into a community and just listening. And then everything will happen from there. Mm. Everything will happen from there. And I'm a believer of that. So... It's it's taken a lot to get to that point of just being able to listen. My sister will tell you that I don't listen at all, <laughs> uh, but it's it's something that you know, I'm learning and and doing you know, yeah. consciously every day. So, uh, and you know that listening is just a very undervalued part of any of the work that we do. Some people see social impact as just doing and doing and doing and doing, mm. but if you're just sitting there and listening and working alongside that community or alongside Alongside someone, uh, it's just an invaluable part of, of, of business and mm. of personal, personal growth. So. Mm.
0: Awesome! I love that. I think that's great advice. Mm. Reflection, yeah, as well. Learning as you go away, eh? mm. um, and listening to all the things—not just the voices, but everything, your emotions, your body, your, your tuku, what the people yeah. around you are saying. Mm. The birds.
1: <laughs> and a huge part of you know, I did this course, the regenerative development course with Regenesis If anyone's wanting to do it, highly recommend. <laughs> but you're saying when you're going into a place, just listen and understand how that place is processing you. Mm. And you don't really know that until you sit down and listen. Yeah. So that's my advice.
0: That's awesome, bro. I love that. Hey, thank you so much for taking thank the time to come much. and call it all today. I really, really enjoyed it, bro. So Fafita Lava. Te today, Catch you next time. How choice is that? Hope you enjoyed that story. Tune in next week for the next episode. And you know what? If you know someone that should be on the show, drop us a line. You can find us on YouTube, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, anywhere. Just hit us up, look for Ngahere Communities and we'll be there. Catch you next week. Kia pai tō